0: hello welcome to silent wisdom online satsang as you all know today there is no topic so i would love to have your questions your views your perspectives stories anything that you would like to share okay great so sanjay already has a question here Is it wise to face fear in unavoidable social interactions? Um, Sanjay, when you say wise to face fear, do you mean accepting fear or do you mean avoiding fear or being fearful? Can you be a little more clear in this? What do you mean by facing fear? Does it mean accepting or do you mean it's okay to be fearful? Okay, if I have choice to avoid the situation, should I escape? Alright, yes, yes. So, see when you say wise, there can be many ways that you can handle this situation. When we talk about surrender, what does that mean? That means, one, I can accept the situation, and even if it is an unavoidable social interaction and I am facing fear, I can totally accept it. And I can accept that I am fearful. Okay? And I can still stay in the situation. Second is that as you said, can I avoid the situation? Should I escape the situation? But you have also mentioned it is unavoidable social interaction. So uh, if it is an unavoidable social interaction, that means you cannot escape from it. That is what I understand. But if there is a possibility for you to escape and that seems the best option out of being um, handling the situation or avoiding it, then absolutely avoiding it is also wise to do. Whatever seems right at that moment of time, that would be the right thing to do and if we talk about uh, you know surrender as i was saying it can mean anything see it is uh, how is the state of mind for you that is what that matters right if uh, in that state of mind what works for you is avoiding and escaping then so be it if what that matters is that i can actually face the fear and I can really fight it out, that is also fine. But if you feel, I can just accept it, or I want to escape it, even that is fine. All are okay. Sometimes in my experience, I have found that uh, instead of getting into, again, you know, because you use the word unavoidable, then it becomes difficult. But if it can be avoided, the best a possibility many times maybe to avoid it. Why get into a situation that will create fear for you? Minakshi is asking, How can we love without attachment? So, Minakshi here, uh, first we need to understand what is love, and we need to understand what is attachment, and we need to differentiate between the two. When you say love without attachment, What do you mean by it? Let me understand that. Can you differentiate between the two? Hmm. Love with children, but in a detached manner, you are saying. So, how are you differentiating between love and attachment? What do you mean when you say love, but without attachment? So, you are saying you are in a spiritual journey, but you still love your kids, you love your job, you love money, you need all these things. So, you are attached. But you want to be in love with them but not attached to them. That is what you are saying. Okay. Although you have not differentiated between love and attachment, that is the first thing that we need to do over here. And it's very simple. Attachment is when there are expectations. So when I say I am in love with my kids, that means there is an expectation. Expectation that my kids should do well, my kids should be healthy, my kids should be happy. They should be there with me or even if they are not there with me, you know, there can be expectations from them or for them, right? That is attachment. The same thing is about your job or money, that there is an expectation. I know how am I doing over there or how are people treating me there or how much money I want. So that is attachment. What is love? Love is that I can enjoy them, but I do not have expectations from them so i love my kids i want the best for them and i will do all my actions to do whatever is good for them but i will not expect any results i will not be attached to the consequences that i did so much for my child and yet this did not happen to them or they did not do this for me that is what that is when it becomes attachment but the moment you drop that it remains as love simple Similarly, my job or money, I will take my responsibility. I will do all the actions that are important. I love my job. I even love money. Definitely, I need money to live my life the way I want to. It's required. But I'm not attached. I'm not saying I need this amount of money or this should come to me because I have worked 12 hours in a day. So I should be getting a particular amount or if I don't get, I don't do well in business. Or I did my best, but you know, the business deal did not come through. So that then becomes an attachment. So I do whatever I think is the best to the best of my ability. I'm not expecting any specific results. Of course, we do things for results, but we are not bound by them. If the results do not happen as per, uh, as per our expectations, we are fine with that. And how will that happen? How will we be able to love without attachment eventually? Once we realize our true nature, it eventually boils down to that. You know, it's very easy to talk about uh, what we say, Nishswarth karma or doing things like, we always. I always talk about Krishna's theory when he says that you do all the actions but do not be attached to the consequences. That is what we call is the karma yoga. At the same time, do not become attached to inaction. But when is that possible? That is only possible when you understand who you are. And once you understand who you are, yes, Suma, right, Niswarth. So once you understand who you are, that will be the natural consequence that you would love, but you will not be attached. And how will that happen? Um, How will you know who you are? That is what you are doing. That is what you are working towards. All the steps you are doing or the practices that you are doing, they are taking you there only. So don't worry about it right now. If there is still attachment, it's fine. No problem with that. As long as others are thinking, if they have any questions, I got some from a couple of people that I was talking to in the last week and I'll put them here because... How to manage my regular responsibilities with spiritual journey? And will I not progress if I do not find time for spiritual practices? So I will answer this question in two steps. Okay. And uh, step one is to manage your regular responsibilities with spiritual journey. You have to make your spiritual journey a priority. I've said that many times. In the videos and even otherwise when I talk to any of you, I keep saying this. It has to be number one priority. Once you make it a priority, you will find time to do your practice. We spend so much time on doing non-essential things. We have no idea how much time we waste. And we think we do not have time because of our responsibilities for the spiritual things. I do not agree with this at all. I think the moment we make it a priority, we will find time for this. We find time for everything, no? We studied to become whatever profession that we are in today. We are working hard. We found time to do our job, bringing up the family, spending time with our friends, checking on the news, doing so many things. Why cannot we find time to work towards the highest goal of this life, which is self-realization? Wouldn't we find time for that? So first is we have to prioritize and if you prioritize even if you can spend one to two hours every day and I'm sure everybody however busy they might be they can easily find one to two hours of time and you'll also find once you start spending one to two hours on your spiritual practice you will actually become more efficient. Things that you were spending 12 hours in you will find that you will be able to do them in Possibly 8 hours or maybe even less. If you were sleeping for 8 hours, your sleep will reduce. You may do well with just 6 hours. That is how powerful these spiritual practices are. And I know many of you are practicing them regularly. And you know what I am talking about. That the moment you make it a priority. The moment you find time for this. You will find you have more time. You don't have less time. You have more time. And if we think that... uh, We need to first spend time on our jobs, on spending on our uh, children. See, by the end of life, if we do not pay enough attention to the spiritual journey, the life will be wasted. It will be gone. Money is only needed until a particular level. Children all grow up, go away. And most of those people who do not take on a spiritual journey find at the end of life that there isn't much left. It was kind of a wasted life. So isn't it important that we find time for it so we can easily find time for it. And I uh, basically come from a yogic practice, as many of you know. And there it is said, and I just love it. They say it is possible to realize in 3 to 48 years. I know that's a long uh, period which is given, but it is really amazing. 3 to 48 years. They say 48 years for those who may not be carrying any, uh, let's say, they do not have any practice in the past. They are starting fresh. Let's say you start today, absolutely fresh. And you are able to find little time for your practice, maybe just little time. Then also you can achieve that in 48 years. And depending on how sincere you are on your path, and this I'm talking about the yogic tradition, okay? the Kriya practice, the yoga practice. So even in three years, it can be attained. For three years, in fact, they have given, if you spend just eight hours every day out of 24 hours, I know it's not possible for many of us, but even eight hours every day can make you realize in three years. And those who are on the path of knowledge, once you come on the Mark, it can be done in three months, as many of you are aware of that. But yes, not everybody can actually sustain and be ready for the path of knowledge. That's a different thing. So that's why I'm telling you. So the first is making it a priority, finding time. One to two hours, easily one can find. Then step two, which will naturally happen either in three months or in three years or in three decades, whenever that happens. What happens then? The conflict between your spiritual and your regular life is dissolved completely, completely. That means your whole day becomes spiritualized. It becomes your continuous practice. Whatever that you do becomes spiritual, naturally. I don't know if uh, many of you might have heard it, but uh, there is a... There, is, there are Dohas by Kabir, but this one I quite like. I will not say the whole one, it's quite a long one. But a couple of lines I will like to share. And uh, he says uh, Kahun soi naam, sunu soi sumuran, Khau piyun soi puja, Grehe ek eksam lekhu, Bhav mitau duja, Jaha Jaha jaun soi parikrama. Now what does that mean? It says that whatever I say is chanting. I don't need time to do a separate chant or say a mantra. Whatever that I say is chanting. Whatever that I listen to is worship. Whatever I see is only Him. Whatever I eat is holy. There is no difference between home and a forest because there are not two anymore. Wherever I walk is Parikrama. Parikrama, you all know, it's like moving clockwise around an object of devotion. Like, you know, we do Parikrama of rivers, we do Parikrama of idols, of temples. So he says, wherever I walk, even if I'm walking in my house, that is also Parikrama. And whatever I do is service. And wherever I lie down and whenever I lie down is prostration. So I do not worship any God separately anymore. So this is what is the natural consequence of step 1. When you practice on step 1, the step 2 where there is no difference between your worldly life and spiritual life. Whatever that you do, every breath that you are taking, it is spiritual only. That's it. And we can all relate to it. See, uh, like when we learn to drive, I'm sure all of us have had this experience. We will not talk to the person who's teaching us to drive. We'll be very focused on the road. We will not put on any music. We will not talk or, you know, take our phone in case somebody calls up. But once we've become comfortable driving, we can do all those things. We can drive. We don't have to do things separately. We can drive and the music can be on and we can be talking to somebody on the phone and we can be gossiping with our friends in the car. All of those things can happen. No, that is of course a very small metaphor, but that is what happens even in the spiritual life. So step one, we have to find time, make it a priority. That's very important. And step two, the difference dissolves. So there is no difference between your spiritual and your regular life. I'm also reminded of a Zen story. There were these two Zen students who joined a monastery under a master. So initially they were given, you know, they found the life was very boring. They had to work very hard. There was no teaching which was given to them. All the master would ask them to do was clean the monastery, cook food or clean the vessels. That is what they were doing. So many months passed and no teaching at all. So one day, uh, one of the students, he spoke to the other one and said, I think we have come to the wrong master. He's only exploiting us. He's not teaching us any Zen at all. And I'm thinking that we should just go away. At least I'm planning to leave tomorrow morning. And the other one was very surprised. And he said, really? Really? But I am learning from the very first day. I have learned. So he says, really? When did you learn? When did he teach you? He said, What did you mean? What do you mean when did he teach me? He's teaching us all the time. Just by watching the master. How he is wearing his slippers in the morning, how he ties the shoelaces, how he picks up the bowl, how he keeps it. In everything that is being done, I am learning. I have learned from him. So you see, the master was teaching through his life. There was, there was no teaching which needed to be separate from the way he was living his life. Okay, Sanjay is asking, any tips for stage 4 effective abidance? So first, Sanjay, very important is, uh, have you really understood the knowledge, the knowledge of the self? Is it clear? Is there any doubt about it in your mind? That should be very, very clear. And if there is no doubt about it at all, then it is about finding ways to stay in that knowledge more and more. And how do we do that? Stay more and more. First is making a spiritual intention, a very strong spiritual intention that I'm going to remember who I am and I'm going to operate from that understanding of who i am so in various situations initially as i was talking earlier also step one could be that you practice in the morning and in the evening let's say you find 10 minutes in the morning and you say for the next 10 minutes i'm going to be established in my own self and that is how i will just be and the more you will do that it will become easier so initially it is what we call net practice You do that in a posture, sitting position. Then slowly, let's say when you are eating. So you are eating your breakfast and you remember before sitting down to eat, you remember that I will stay established in myself. I will just watch myself eating and I will not become the one who is eating. I will be the one who is watching the one who is eating. And you will keep losing it, no problem, but stay in that. So simple things like eating, maybe you are walking. So simple things which you may be doing alone. Third could then be you can take it to the next level. Let's say when you are in a conversation. When you're in a conversation with a friend, which is um, not too taxing for you, where your defense mechanisms need not be on a high, you need not be in an alert situation. So you can remember that I will stay established in my own self and that is how I will be talking. Once you start doing that, as this progresses, later on you start bringing in your awareness in difficult situations. And when you know that there will be somebody that you will be talking to and that person has the potential to hurt you or say something which will will move you away from the center, So you bring the awareness in. And what will happen if you keep your awareness at that point of time, if you are in abiding, when you are in a difficult situation, you will not act unnecessarily. You will find yourself only doing that action which is essential and important. And you will find yourself doing an action which you will not regret later. That is the beauty of it. So step by step, making a very strong intention of... Being established in awareness and starting with posture, then simple activities which you do alone, moving on to slightly more difficult activities when you are talking with your friends and eventually in difficult situations. And the more you practice, the better you become at it. And then what happens is after a particular time, you don't even need to remember. It just comes naturally. In difficult situations, That is where the awareness is needed the most. Why do we need that awareness? You know, we can all know who we are. That's easy. But to be able to actualize it in your daily life, in every action, that is important. Why? So that we do not take any actions, either in our speech or through any other behavior, which will later cause us suffering. Isn't it? That is the purpose. That is exactly what starts happening. So the awareness starts coming. When, Whenever there is a difficult situation and it keeps you centered. Once you are centered, you take only the right action. In fact, you know what we call the righteous action. In Bhagavad Gita, we've all heard Krishna talks about taking the righteous action. What is a righteous action? Uh, please remember, this is different from right and wrong action. Righteous action is when you are established in your awareness. Whatever action you will take from there will be the righteous action. And that righteous action may not be the same every time. It can change from person to person and situation to situation. Even for the same person, you may take different actions. So if I give you an example, let's say uh, somebody can say, should I tolerate the bad behavior of another person? Right? A question can come to your mind. Now, if you are in awareness... There is a possibility that at one point in awareness, the righteous action that will come to you is to ignore it. Another time, and here I am talking for the same person, okay? With different persons again, of course it can change, but even for the same person. Second time, you may demonstrate even worse behavior than him or her. That is also possible, okay? In a third situation, you may beat up the person for bad behavior. In a fourth situation, you may just, it may not even occur to you that it was bad behavior on another person's part, okay? So what I'm trying to say here is, the behavior or the action is not important. What is important is your state, where are you operating from? Are you in a state of, established in the self, the state of surrender or what we call be here now? When you operate from that state, whatever action that you will take will be the righteous one. And it we cannot define, we cannot predict what that action will be. It can be anything. That is where it happens. Okay. And uh, abidance practice, awareness practice takes you to that state. So Sanjay, that was a long answer. Uh, I hope it has given you some tips there. Minakshi is asking, When I am stressed or disturbed, lot of thoughts come in my meditation. How can I avoid this? It becomes difficult to concentrate. How can I improve in this? Yes, Minakshi. It's a very common thing. Okay. First thing is stop getting disturbed that you are getting disturbed. There is a stress. Yes, that happens. It's a natural part of life. Some things or the other will be going wrong in life. Situations will be there. And you are likely to get disturbed. As far as thoughts are concerned, See, the mind cannot sit still. It is not in the nature of the mind to be still. The mind likes to move. And if you are stressed, that means there is a situation in your life where there is a threat, there is a fear. And the movement, even if it is the slightest of the threat or the fear, the mind acts like a very strong bodyguard for you. Okay, it it wants to protect you. So what it does to protect you, even for a simple thing, it amplifies it. It makes it very big and it likes to tell you, oh, this is happening. And it plays on like that broken record. I don't know if you attended that session on the laws of the mind. In suffering, we had done that. So that is the law of the mind to do that. Okay, and how will it ensure that it is protected? By creating thoughts. And lots of thoughts. Because it does not want you to stay still. See, it wants you to act. It wants you to keep thinking. Because it gives us, uh, gives the mind a sense of relief that something is happening. Something is being taken care of. Okay? That is the way the mind has been created. It is its nature. It's like when we say, the nature of the snake is to have that venom. Or the nature of the flower is to give fragrance. Similarly. It is the nature of the mind to protect you and whenever it finds any threat to start creating thoughts and to start repeating those thoughts again and again and amplifying them. So how to avoid this? Very simple. First by understanding that this is the law of the mind and then telling the mind very gently, yes I got it, thank you very much and just watching it. If you understand it really. If you get it and the moment you accept that yes, this is happening, you will see that the thoughts will subside. They will not go away completely, no, but they will subside. It's kind of a game or a play which is going on between you and the mind. It is mind's job to create stress by creating thoughts, by amplifying simple things. And what is your job? To understand the play, to understand its tactics. And the moment you see through them, the mind just false you can try it and when it becomes difficult to concentrate don't try to concentrate there is no need don't force it because the more you will try to fight the mind by trying to concentrate the more it will gain energy so the best uh, strategy that works with the mind is acceptance see why do we talk about acceptance and surrender it's simply for the mind That is, once you say, okay, no problem, I accept it, then the mind doesn't know what to do. Yeah, initially, it it may give you even more difficult scenarios. So, just to get your attention. It's only trying to get your attention. Remember, you are not your mind and you can dismantle it by accepting. Okay, Shivani is saying, if we ignore the mind, then we tend to become careless. It's not like that, Shivani, that by ignoring the mind, we become careless. See, when you say you become careless, and especially if you have not really now come into the meditation or awareness practice, I'm I'm talking about from that point of view. So what happens before that is we are busy in a lot of stuff, lot of things that we are doing. And we always say that 95% of the activity that we do, mental activity to even 99%, you can say almost 100%, okay? Other than some little planning that we need to do for the future and something that we need to understand from our past, what we have done right or wrong to learn from it. We don't need too much of mental activity. But you know that almost... Uh, 99% of the time, the mental activities which is going on is non-essential. So, when you start ignoring the mind before understanding that, you feel that, oh, you know, you are missing out on all those non-essential activities. But actually, uh, that is not the case. That is also the mind that will tell you that you are becoming careless. Nobody else. It is the mind only. And it will feel that you are becoming careless. But once you understand, you will find that when you ignore these activities, the essential always happens. And it is the non-essential that falls away. I keep giving this example, uh, and so I will just repeat it. Like, let's say many times, and we may all have experienced that we are, one is we are hungry, when we need food, okay? Really, the body needs food. And many times, it is the mental hunger. Like, I want to eat something very specific. Like I want to eat an ice cream or a pizza or anything, which is more of uh, that my mind wants it. It is not really a hunger, hunger. So when you understand that it is the mind, which is just, you know, something has got triggered. Maybe I have watched someone or I've seen an ad or maybe Zomato or Swiggy have just, uh, you know, sent that pop up where I can see a very hot pizza and I start feeling like eating it. There is a high possibility if I pay attention to the mind, I may go ahead and order it. But if I avoid that activity, if I ignore the mind, then after some time, it will just subside. On the other hand, if you are really hungry, then you will not become careless at all. Then whether you need to cook, get up, go to your kitchen, cook the food or you need to order it or maybe all the choice that you have is that you need to order a pizza, you will do it. So, you, you will not be careless. Carelessness, what it feels like, only happens for the non-essential items. But right now, until the time we understand, everything looks essential. We don't know how to differentiate between essential and non-essential. So, it seems like that. Don't worry. By ignoring the mind, you cannot become careless. Because the system is... Uh, Built like that, it is created like that, that all essential things happen. I'm sure you'll get there when you understand that you can ignore the mind and yet not be careless. Okay, Sanjay is saying, I had strong awareness for 16 days. I had to take psychiatric help to get deep sleep. Hmm, are you sure that was strong awareness, Sanjay? Well, there is a possibility, then something definitely is not right over here. It's also about uh, balancing and I have found it happens naturally when there is an awareness when you need it and when you just need to be. Sometimes some people may even experience a lot of uh, tension being in awareness you know because that is about being alert initially so that's why we take it slowly. You were able to realize that you were sleeping and dreaming too. You know, another thing that I have found when your practice is right, whether it is your meditation, whether it is your awareness practice, one of the a scale or evaluation thing that you can check on is, is that making your life more beautiful? Is it making simpler? Is it making easier and uh, more healthier? If that is what is happening, that means your practice is going in the right direction. But if whatever you are doing, it's making life more difficult and uh, tense, then there is something wrong there. And if that is what that happens, you need to immediately check with your guide, with your guru. Because all of these practices, whether it is meditation, whether it is awareness, they make life so much more simpler, healthier, beautiful, naturally. Okay, Ruchika is saying, I have a new experience, my dream, though not very meaningful. But even after waking up a couple of times, the same sequence in the dream continued. I'm wondering, is it okay? Yeah, see, whatever happens in the dream, whether the same sequence, a different sequence, it does not matter, right? We know that it is just a dream. It's just coming from some stored up memory. And we really don't know how the mind projects whatever memory, how it forms associations between different people, objects, and sometimes the dreams can be really weird. So it it does not matter at all. So I, I think what you mean to say is it is for the first time that it has happened with you that you woke up and yet the same dream continued. So that is new for you. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that is absolutely okay. Does that mean that there is some progress or things are changing or moving? Uh, I don't think so, Ruchika. So I think it's just another experience of, you know, dream being seen in a different light. That's all. What would help at this point, uh, since you are in stage four, is lucid dreaming. That is what will mean that, yes... Uh, There is a progress. When you will be in the dream and you will be aware that you are dreaming as well. You will know that you are dreaming. That is useful because that is your ticket to waking up in in this dream called life as well. Once you have that experience, it kind of opens up new doors. You can make that out. Okay, so you have much more control in your dreams. So if you say control in your dreams, you are aware that you are dreaming. Is that what you mean, Richika? Because then only you can have control. But are you doing them with awareness? That is the important thing. If, you are, if it is happening without awareness, whether it is logical, illogical, sequential, non-sequential, whether it makes sense, whether it is a pretty dream or an ugly dream, none of those things matter. The only thing that matters is, are you aware in the dream that you are dreaming? That is the only thing that matters. Okay, Sangeeta is saying it happens with me that if I'm seeing a dream and get up for washroom and then when I go back to sleep, I continue with the same dream in sequence. Okay, sure, that's fine. It happens to a lot of people. Uh, It's quite a natural thing. And as Ruchika was also sharing that uh, she gets up a couple of times, still the same dream continues, it happens. That's okay. So there is nothing in the dreaming. uh, As I was saying, these things can happen and different things. So sometimes we have really weird dreams or even nightmares and we say, okay, how did I make this thing up? So I'm not making this up. This is just the mind which which does it. Or sometimes you see beautiful dreams. That's all okay it may maybe for you know if we have to really give it importance all it may mean is that in my waking life maybe a couple of days have passed on well so as ruchika was saying i'm doing more logical things so maybe she's also thinking logical logically and doing logical things in her waking life so maybe it is showing up over there but otherwise it's not so important ruchika saying in the initial few seconds when i'm falling asleep and starting to dream i have awareness okay So that's nice. That's a good way to start that when you are just falling asleep, can you stay in awareness? And um, if you are able to keep that, then it will eventually happen that you will be able to maintain your awareness in the dream as well. If, If you want to, that's completely optional. That's not something that we are working towards. That's not our goal, but it can happen. See, you can only maintain awareness uh, in your waking state, right? You cannot, uh, the moment the sleep takes over, since you cannot maintain awareness after that. After that, it has to happen naturally as a consequence of the awareness you have been able to maintain in the waking state. If you make that very strong and you put in effort and you are able, let's say, if, you know, those 12, 16, 18 hours, most of the time, For uh, many days, months, maybe together, you maintain it. It may happen that one day you will find in the dream as well that you are able to maintain that awareness. And there are some other experiments that have been given that uh, Guruji has shared. So that may help you. If, If that is what you are trying to do, wanting to be awake in your dream, wanting to be aware in your dream, But the simplest and the best way is to maintain awareness during the waking state. That is enough. Let other things happen naturally. Shivani is saying, some people dream of their loved ones who are no more, but many do not. Does it mean anything? What it may mean, Shivani, is that uh, some people might be more open and receptive to those uh, memories or you know seeing their loved ones and uh, others either may be too afraid or they may be too sensitive so if sometimes although what I'm sharing over here is more of a generalized version it may not be in all the cases but um, some people are extremely sensitive And or sometimes they want it so much. So, you know, sometimes because they want it so much, it can happen. And because they want it so much, it may not happen. So there can be depends on different people. I know of people who can see their loved ones very regularly and those who have passed away and those who are not able to see them at all. One thing for sure, your sensitivity will make a difference. How sensitive are you to see them. Are you receptive and or if you are too sensitive then your ego itself, the mind has a mechanism that it will keep you away from it. But if you want to see your loved ones in the dreams then one of the things that you can try is you can pray to the gurus, to the masters, to your loved ones as well that you would like to see them. And you just want to, you know, either want to say a goodbye or you like whatever is your intention, you can ask for it. You can do this ritual for maybe three days in a row and see if that helps you. Ruchika is saying we should let our loved ones go once they leave this world. Just an opinion means no offense. Yes, Ruchika, yeah. We have to let them go. It's just that sometimes we may not have been able to say goodbye to them. case our mind is not satisfied we may just ask for a closure there eventually we have to let them go we have no choice but to let them go no so let us let them go with love and happiness because actually uh, you know we are in the prison they those who have left us those who have gone they are free they are free from this human prison so just a way of saying it. Thank you everyone for joining in, for participating, asking very good questions. I hope you got your answers. I will see you again very soon next Thursday. This is the end of the year so we'll be meeting next year. So wish you all a very happy new year and enjoy. Stay safe. See you next Thursday. Thank you.